Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode, finally, of the Summit Bid Podcast. It's been a long time. It's been a minute, indeed. We've been uh, busy. We have been, and like the, the news has been kind of a lot of rumors, which unfortunately this episode's going to have a lot of rumors and, and a, a couple of rumors, announcements yeah. um, and then some rumory announcements, <laughs> which yeah, is, which is Canon's new favorite. That's thing. new. That's Canon's new favorite thing is, is rumory announcements. Uh, they don't, they don't want to, they don't want to tell you everything. They want to keep you guessing to the last minute. Indeed. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, honestly, we we just experienced uh, WWDC we 2021 did. We this watched morning. it this morning. And, and there were no new MacBook Pros. There's no new hardware at no all. No new hardware at all. And uh, I think most people were expecting something. For some reason, and this happens every year with WWDC, people are like, there's going to be hardware, and then there's not, and then people are shocked. I think it but, used to be like when they announced the new Macs. It did. Well, and it makes sense. I mean... Honestly, I feel like um, what we have here is that the the new uh, M1X or whatever they're going to wind up being the the slightly the Apple Silicon MacBook 16 inch MacBook Pros are they either got delayed or something which um, with the which the mini LED display I guess they're having some problems with that there's some problems with the the mm. iPad version and. And iPads getting out and, and all that stuff. So it, it's it's kind of an interesting. They're ironing out the kinks with iPad, right? Well, and something. what's interesting is is that I've heard rumors that this this is actually the Mini LEDs technology one and only shot. That they're already trying to figure out how to get um, future versions of both the the uh, the large iPad Pro and the MacBook Pro to be OLED because it's just <laughs> a lot easier. Mm. Um, overall than this mini LED technology. But anyway, not to get too much in the weeds there. Yeah, I mean, um, there seems to be, I mean, I guess there is a somewhat of a theme surrounding, I know one of the news things that happened just today or yesterday is you can now actually pre-order the uh, new versions of the A7R 3A and the R4A, um, mm. which seems to be like a production adjustment. So like, I'm, I'm wondering if there's just, there's a lot of production stuff going there on. There is a with, lot with of production stuff going on. I think that um, that we're seeing all the production issues from last year finally come to fruition. I mean, you know, everyone can kind of see that. There's shortages on everything from steel and lumber to, you know, yeah. uh, Starbucks breakfast sandwiches. I, I don't <laughs> know if you've been through a Starbucks drive through lately, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they I mean, probably don't have the sandwich you want, which yeah, is weird. Dude, maybe that's the future. Maybe that is the future. Who anyway. knows? So to kind of start things off uh, with the camera news, um, we can talk about the new uh, Nikon lenses. They released a couple of uh, macro lenses. Um, so I was was it a one hundred five or a ninety? Uh, it's a one hundred five two point eight and a fifty two point eight macro. Okay, so they're they're uh, they're keeping their one hundred five trend going. Yeah, yeah, and um, from all appearances, uh, this lens is like I looked at some of the. Uh, uh, MTF charts of it and like it's comparison to the the F mount version it's completely insane the image quality difference um oh, interesting but, and they've actually sold them out the pre-orders have been really high so what's interesting is is something that we're noticing in this year is that there's a lot of demand um because I know that the the 512 from Sony sold out um like everything is kind of selling out. I mean, we're kind of going back to what we were just talking about a second ago where the supply issues are at issue, but even still, 
it seems like uh, what the, the manufacturers are being able to make, they're being able to sell. So what I think is, is interesting is there could be like a combination of a bunch of different things happening. And one of them is production issues. Like we talked about demand right. being high. Right. I think that because these are new mounts, there are people who own, there's a lot of people who own Nikon Z who probably are using their old macro lens and are just waiting to upgrade. And when right, it came right. out, they were like, no brainer. I've been reserving that money on that credit card for a long time for this lens. Yeah. Or I mean, something. Um, yeah. I think that, that partly what's happening too is that we're seeing, uh, that people are buying into the new, the new mounts a lot more. I think mm. when Canon and Icon first announced their mirrorless mounts, the big thing was that you could buy an adapter and put your old lenses on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that we're seeing like, oh, wow, the new versions of the lenses are so much better. Mm-hmm. Like a great example of that is the, the Nikkor 14 to 24. Like it's so much better as in to be almost, almost a joke. Mm-hmm. Like the image quality corner to corner and the fact that it weighs significantly less is smaller and lighter. Mm-hmm. And you use both. We actually have the yep. 14 to 24. Yeah. Yeah. Right on here the on, the, on the table. And, um, I've used both and the, this one is just, like I haven't had a chance to really put it um, to the test yet. I hope to soon, but it's just so much better <laughs> mm-hmm. from like the the little that I've used it. it it's it's just it's unreal, um, and and actually for a wide angle lens in general, um, it's 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 unreal. So right. I think part of it is is that people are like, oh wow, these new lenses are really good, and I think they're excited about them. And the, the a- one hundred five, I think that the one hundred five f mount version wasn't known as the best lens. So, so um, I actually have a, a question for you before we move on from these lenses. For all of our Nikon viewers, which we know we have quite a few of those, mm-hmm. we do. Um, wh- who would you recommend the 105 uh, to and who would you recommend the 52? Because they're both macros. I believe they both do one to one reproduction. So, um, yeah, I, do you, you know, I don't are? feel totally qualified to answer that because I've just done so little macro photography. I've never owned a legit macro lens other than the, uh, the 40 Battis. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that's which actually, is, that's not actually a not micro. A it's, it's called a, a CF or close focus lens, but it's not technically a macro lens. So, you know, I, I feel like probably because we're looking at the, the price difference being at this new one Oh five, uh, is I think it's right at a thousand. Uh, yeah, nine ninety six, and the fifty is six forty six. It's not even that much cheaper. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Because what I was kind of thinking about was like there's two different ways that you could obviously frame this, and the traditional way is is that the ninety mil, the 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 closer one, is like the more premium macro lens mm-hmm. because there's advantages just it, it's like a working distance thing a 50 mil you have to get a lot closer to your subject um, right in order to fill the frame and get the one-to-one um, but since it's one-to-one like the magnification is the same uh, what you end up dealing with is is a very similar look if you will like one-to-one's kind of one-to-one mm-hmm. um, that's true so I think that Generally in the past, you know, there's kind of this, this mindset of like the, the more telephoto ones, kind of the primo one, because it gives you that better working distance. 
but it seems like Nikon's maybe gone for a little bit more of, of giving you that option for that wider macro. Um, yeah, I can like see. Close focus well, and I would say video, video comes to mind. Mm-hmm. That the, the 50 macro is going to be a little more useful for video mm-hmm. than the 90. Just, just kind for of the like, nature. Certainly for like general video. I wonder what like the focus motors sound like and stuff on them. Yeah, it's I hard to know. I, I honestly, I feel like... I mean, options are good. Um, I I wouldn't. I I would I would do the ninety. I mean, the one hundred and five. Excuse me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know why I got in my head in this ninety because we were talking about the Sony ninety. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it doesn't have like the 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 clutch focus like the Sony. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have the the STF like the Canon, but it's also um, a little bit. It's a little bit cheaper than that new Canon. Uh, mm-hmm. one hundred. Right. It was a one hundred. Right. <laughs> and it's I don't know what it is in comparison to the Sony 90 which has you know been around forever but is also considered one of the sharpest lenses and that is another thing is that generally that that medium telephoto uh, macro lens are normally regarded as super sharp an exception to that being the old Nikon 105 2.8 macro was not considered that sharp but this one seems like it's bonker sharp um, Nikon doesn't do a lot of hands uh getting lenses in hands of reviewers ahead of time. They did offer it to one reviewer who I have not watched his video yet. Mm-hmm. But um, anyway, it's kind of interesting. It's selling well. Um, some of the things that Nikon did not announce that seem like they're coming to other than the Z9, mm-hmm. um, which is, is coming sometime. And we sometime. just don't have more information about it yet. Yeah, no new, new information yet. Um, I'm guessing that we probably will have more information um, by early July. Mm-hmm. Within the month, we'll have more information just based on the fact that, that Canon um, gave us more information about the R3. I think Nikon's going to want to keep up with that. Um, there's part of me that wonders whether Nikon's going to go ahead and try to push out the Z9 um, sooner. Uh, there was a rumor that I read not very long ago that they're really putting a lot of resources in getting the part of the reason there's been delays and stuff is that they're putting a lot of resources is getting the Z9 out mm-hmm. and into people's hands. So th- they, I think they feel like it's maybe the game changer that um, we're kind of hoping it is that it's really going to put Z on the mount uh, mm-hmm. Z mount on the map. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was a tongue twister, but uh, there is a rumored retro APS-C camera coming. This is very interesting. This is yeah. very interesting because it's supposed to kind of compete with Fuji. Mm. So be more of a tactile, have lots of dials, like a shutter speed dial and an ISO, like ISO an dial. enthusiast camera, kind an of. enthusiast camera. Mm. And that's very intriguing to me that, that Nikon's uh, going after Fuji, which actually makes sense because in a lot of ways... Fuji and Nikon are kind of the, they're they're the new competitors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes sense. Like Fuji's making the medium format cameras, which are mm-hmm. landscape photographer cameras, and then Nikon's making like the Z7 and the you know even mm-hmm. the Z6, which are like you know they're a little more landscape focused than than some of what uh, Canon and Sony is putting out. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that they're competing. So Nikon wants to kind of get in the um, arena where they're more directly mm-hmm. competing with some of Fuji's stuff, especially for an, a fun to use enthusiast camera. Mm-hmm. I think that it's it's weird and 
like the wrong words frustrating because it, I guess it doesn't really like functionally matter that much, but I think it's weird that Fuji's cool and kind of garnered as this successful camera company by like the photo media and stuff. Right. And then Nikon is, is just currently being endlessly panned. Um, and like, I feel like every time I open YouTube, this isn't quite true, but it's close to, closer to being true than it should be. Like every time you open YouTube, there's a, a video titled Nikon's closing or why Nikon's dead or whatever. Um, I think it's a very interesting trend. It's just that, that idea of like Fuji kind of rising up a little bit in, in its market share and Nikon losing market share, even though Nikon's definitely a bigger company a bigger than Fuji, company yeah. Than Fuji yeah. within the, within the like digital camera world. And they're also like, I'm not going to tell anybody not to buy Fuji cameras. Cause I think they're great especially when it comes to video, I think it's a hard argument between the two companies. Um, which one's better? I think that's really too close, but from a stills perspective, Nikon's just offering, in my opinion, more um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for the money, especially if you're willing to look at the used market. I mean, the Z6 at $1,000-ish used is like the best camera, is like the best value for money camera out there, basically. Yeah, agreed. Like a thousand, I guess, I think it's a little more than that still. I think you could get it for a thousand. Yeah. Probably plan on a little bit more like, um, 1200 to 1300. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's. Well, and then they have the, I think what, what, where Nikon's kind of gearing and going is enthusiast and pro and really embracing that. Mm -hmm. I just don't foresee them really attacking the consumer level. And I think that's fine. I mean, honestly, that's where the camera market's going is is uh, pro and enthusiast. Mm-hmm. So, like, why invest a bunch of time and try to figure out who's going to buy their stuff and then market directly mm-hmm. to them? And right now, they're doing a great job. Yeah. Like, uh, if you, for the right photographer, Nikon is is really blowing it out of the water in a lot of in a lot of ways. And I've I've talked mm-hmm. about that and in various videos about my uh, Nikon Z7 and all of that. Mm-hmm. But, um, you well, know, they're not, they're, they're not doing consumer stuff. I mean, the Z50 you could kind of say is, is consumer, but still it's expensive for consumer, right? Like consumers to me, I don't think very many consumers actually spend a thousand dollars on a camera, maybe a wealthy one or one that just is kind of into it gets kind of starting to get into photography, but then they're kind of starting to move over into that enthusiast anyway. Right. Um, like you don't just go and drop a thousand dollars on a camera very often. Um, yeah. if you don't really care, which I think is always funny. Cause I think in some ways, all of these cameras that we generally talk about are enthusiast cameras. Right. Um, it's so true because like the point and shoots that like our grandmas used to use, <laughs> um, like those weren't a thousand dollars when they bought them. No, um, no, they were what three, four hundred. I remember the first camera I bought was a Canon T1i with a kit lens, and I spent eight hundred dollars on it after tax. Like the total mm-hmm. was like eight hundred something. Well, and that was still like an enthusiast, like interchangeable lens, right? And you, you know, at the megapixel. time, it felt like I was getting this legit camera, mm-hmm. and. uh you know, now, now we look at those, those, the rebel cameras as, as entry level, mm-hmm. which they're becoming entry level to enthusiast. I mean, like it's just yeah. people don't buy DSLRs and, and point and shoots to, you know, take pictures of their kids on vacation anymore. It's because they're interested in photography mm-hmm. because the iPhone 
it literally does a better job of it, right? Mm-hmm. Because you can instantly share them. And that's kind of the whole yeah. point. And it keeps it in your photos app and, and all of that stuff, which just. Unlike we'll even like tag people's faces and it, it's built in to like resurface the photo and, and memories and. Right. And all for that, that kind of purpose, yeah. for that purpose, the iPhone just. Yeah. So, you know, to kind of see that the Nikon's really leaning into that. And I'll be interested to see whether Sony and, and Canon follow suit, which we can actually kind of transition into Sony because they're. They were going to release a new camera now for like three weeks straight. We're mm-hmm. days away. Um, there's a new APS-C, very low-end APS-C camera. Well, it's called still eight ninety nine. Is what right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's like a Z. It's uh, I can't think what the name is exactly. It's like ZVE one or something like I, that. I believe that is correct. It's ZVE ten. ZVE ten. That's what it's called. Yeah. And, okay, so in a way, I'm kind of excited about it. It depends on what the exact video specs are. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if it has, like, a nice built-in microphone, which was kind of the shtick of the ZV-1. Right. um, Is it's this video focus, strips out the features you don't need on the RX100 series of cameras. Right, right. And puts in a few extra, like, the better microphone and stuff like that. But there was like a huge problem with that camera in that the lens was like a 25 to 70 full frame equivalent mm. um, field of view. And in 4K, there was like a little crop if you used the digital IS. Right. Um, and so what that ended up with is like the super close up. And in one of our vlogs, I'm going to plug it. Um, it's, uh, I believe, when we went to Crestone Lake, I'll link it in the description down yeah. below. Yeah. Um, we took one of those with us and Kemper tried to use it and you know, just because it wasn't wide enough and it had that small one inch sensor and, and some of those those issues, you know, it didn't end up really working out with that particular one. But pairing this 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 camera with that new Tamron 11 to 20 2.8, that's a pretty cool combo um, to uh, to combine that camera with. Like you could do that camera, the 11 to 20 2.8 and the 17 mm-hmm. to 70 17 to 70 f 2.8. Yep. Um, yep. And you've got a pretty good little setup there. My main concern, I have some some questions for sure, is is what's the scan on the sensor? The APS-C cameras have really bad rolling shutter. Right. Have they improved that at all? Because that's really important for video. If this is a video first camera, maybe even having like a lower resolution sensor in there could make a lot of sense. I just don't think Sony's going to do that. Um, right. But Let's still have they, it be like, 10 megapixels. Yeah, if, I mean, if they, did, if they did that, I'd be, like, really interested. But more what I'm thinking is maybe that 20 megapixel range mm. just to kind mm-hmm. of clean things up a little bit, um, give it maybe a little bit more low light. But what I think they're doing, that's what could get me excited. What I think they're doing is they're literally just finding a way to sell a 6400s <laughs> in a different body. Um, yeah. But there, there needs to be a purpose for this that the a6400 doesn't serve um and the camera i was just describing where you drop the megapixels a little bit put in a nice internal microphone um maybe even add like some is and a faster scanning sensor that's a camera a lot of people would should pay attention to now i mean like you said it's uh, a 899 899 yeah so it's it's $900 which is that is expensive right Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm thinking about this, and I'm like, 
you know, is it's kind of a weird spot because it's under a thousand. It's pro I, I, I can imagine it maybe not having IS, mm -hmm. right? IBIS. I would be surprised, even though I think it needs to have it. I would be surprised. Right. I'd be surprised if it had that, like it's, it's going to be stripped down. Like, I mean, I, and I know they're going to market it as a, as a vlogger camera. It just seems strange. And it kind of just reflects Sony's strange approach to APS-C in general. Uh, it's a it's a cash cow for them. They sell tons of them. Mm -hmm. they, if you're gonna see someone carrying an actual camera out in the wild, like if you bet on a Sony APS-C camera, then you you you'd have mm -hmm. a decent chance, right? It's definitely kind of the entry enthusiast. I mean, that's how I entered the market, really. Right. Well, it's how I entered the mirrorless market. There's the first mirrorless camera I owned was mm -hmm. an A six thousand. And uh, I switched from a Canon um, 7D, original 7D, mm -hmm. to an A6000. And I, you know, ever since then, I've been shooting mirrorless. Like, mm -hmm. I was converted pretty quick. But, like, they, they don't really invest in it, you know? I feel mm -hmm. like they don't, like, it's still getting second fiddle features. Mm -hmm. Like, it trickles down from full frame, and it takes a long time to trickle down. Yeah, and uh, and the the body design is like horrible. Like they're particularly they're on the the A sixty six hundred. I used that for about nine months. Um, that body design was okay because it had a giant grip in proportion to the camera body. Yeah. Um, but they're not utilizing the space well at all on those cameras. Um, and. Like there's space for more dials, but there's just the two. And one of them's the one on the thumbstick, which just not the thumbstick, the uh, D-pad on the back. Oh, right, right. And I'm fine that my S3 has that. Like I'm happy that the S3 has that extra dial, but I don't ever use it. Like right, I interesting. Make, I work hard to not have to use that dial because it's just, it's the hardest to use with gloves on. So it kind of turns into you have this like one excellent dial and this one terrible dial and this really fiddly thing, and then the flip-up screen, which doesn't work well with shotgun mics, even though it's kind of obvious if you're flipping it up, you're vlogging. Like, right, right. Well, and then an, this one's probably going to have a very angle flip-out the side That is screen. what it seems like. That's what it so seems like, like, right, yeah? But there is a, a gap for a vlogging camera that I think would sell like crazy at this price point. And everything that I said in the initial thing, I think would fit in a camera at that price. Like that kind of megapixels makes sense. 20, 20 to 24 makes sense. The, the IS doesn't really make sense within Sony's current lineup, but even the digital IS, I find it to be pretty good. Um, right, right. And, and faster, you can get wider on APS-C than you can on, on the one inch sensor in the ZV-1. It's a lot oh. easier to get wide. Well, it's, it's, you literally can't get wider than 25 on the ZV-1. There's nothing you can do. Right. Um, and you also, like, you, you just have so many more options. And, and there's a part of me that kind of is seeing this as, like, Sony released the ZV-1 and realized kind of, oh, wait, this would actually be better if we just put our APS-C ch chip and an E-mount on it. And that's probably what it's going to be. But yeah, I, yeah. I do think it's an opportunity. I'm going to keep kind of hitting that, that I think that, there's a lot of people that are not being served in that market, like a really easy to use, really smartly specced vlog first camera. Even if right. it's just like to put on your desk and talk to about whatever it is you want to talk about. Right. Well, and, and Sony's trying to entice people with the a7C 
A7C is just priced a little high. Oh, it's um, absolutely. For what it is, it, it's priced high. When you compare it to um, like uh, Nikon Z5, and uh, well, it's a much better Canon uh, camera than the Canon RP mm-hmm. um, overall. But it's still it, it's still just okay, right? Mm-hmm. It's a it's an original. It's an A7 III spec wise rehoused, which is is great. But then they're charging. I think it's eighteen hundred, right? Am, am I right on that? It's about eighteen. Yeah, about eighteen hundred. You know, and and I feel like they, if that lens is fourteen hundred, thirteen hundred, it's I mean that camera. I said lens, <laughs> that camera. Yeah, I think that just makes more sense. So. Yeah, I think that this the APS-C platform just makes more sense to fill that cheaper video camera it really does it Um, really does and like the a6600's biggest problem i think was the the slow scanning sensor because it's like i watched the videos that i shot on that versus the videos i've shot on canon and nikon and sony's full frame cameras Mm -hmm. particularly the s3 right and they're just they're not as comfortable to look at because of the jello effect. Um, yeah, it's true. For, for vlogging, like it's one thing if you're putting the camera on a desk and not really moving it or anything like that, but like panning, right. walking, um, anything like that, just adding that kind of just like, you're, and your eyes don't even really know what to do with it quite. Your viewers don't necessarily think like, oh, the lines aren't straight because it's like they'd show in the test. It's just that everything's just not moving quite right. Yeah, um, yeah, and uh, and I think that that's something that I've, I've I'm hoping to see Sony take more seriously since they obviously thought it was important in the S3 to fix. Yep. So, uh, one other little Sony. I'm sure there's lots of little Sony rumors, but I felt like this one was worth mentioning. Is that there is possibly version twos of the 2470 and 7200 lenses coming this year. Very interesting. And that is that's a that's good news for Sony users mm-hmm. because Canon and Nikon's versions of those lenses were far superior to Sony's. Oh yeah. Like it's not even the the Nikon twenty four seventy is just it's so much better than the than mm-hmm. the Sony one. And it yeah. I just I feel like it's this is good news. I'm hoping that they're smaller. Uh now there's another little rumor that I heard is that Sony's planning on putting on its own 28 to 70 2.8, um, and I'm hoping that's not the version two. That I'm hoping that they do a full on 2470 2.8, not a 28 to 70. It is concerning. Which is also I don't know why they feel the need to enter that market with uh, with the same lenses as, as Tamron and, and Sigma. When I feel like everyone who's going to buy that lens has bought it, right? I mean, yeah, a little bit. I mean, oh, maybe that's not true. I mean, everyone that you could say that about anything. It just, it feels like that little niche for that lens on the E mount, which it's mm-hmm. the only mount that that lens is on. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess Sony is like, well, if we release it, any future users, they'll probably go with ours. And it's probably true. Well, and if, if Sony found a way to make it super small, that would be something different. I mean, the 28 to 70 Sigma is really small. Um, the 28 to 75 Tamron is really light and not big. It's not a big right, lens. Right. 
It's not super small though. Um, so if if Sony found a way to get it that notch smaller, maybe via kind of a, a telescoping design, like their new 28 to 60, 3.5 to 5.6 or whatever, mm-hmm. very mm-hmm. similar to how Nikon's kit lenses, um, you know, they collapse down into this really small thing. And just when you to start using the lens, you have to actually turn the zoom ring mm-hmm. and like extend the barrel. And now it's operable. Um the, the reason why I say that is, is like if you picture like an A7C user who's going for something super slick, super small, something that they can hang around their necks and it's not a big deal. It can kind of be like an ornament and they can take pictures and stuff. Like it makes a lot of sense for that person, I guess, in my head that yeah. if, if they can get it smaller. Otherwise, it just doesn't matter. Like it's just a redundant lens. But it would be a lot nicer to walk around with a 28 to 70 a really small 20 to 72.8 than a 28 to 60 5.6. Right. Whatever. Yeah. You know, whatever it is. Like, yeah. It'd yeah. be a lot nicer to walk around with that lens. So I guess it just could be like a premium ultra light option. Um, I mean, it'd be something I'd look at for like trail running with my S3 and stuff. Yeah, for sure. But so anyway, um, and then we can also hope the 7200 is, uh, is maybe a little smaller or is really good. Like, I think you look at Canon and Nikon with their 7200 2.8s. You have Canon's, which is small and light, right? Mm-hmm. It's a pound lighter than the than the EF version. And is, is really good. It's really sharp. And then you have Nikon's, which is basically the same size, but is off the charts image quality. Mm-hmm. Like, Sony's is the best of, is the worst of both worlds. It's mm-hmm. super big and heavy and is not that great optically. Mm-hmm. And um, that is coming from, we've used, well, I haven't really used one, but you so I have and used, another person that we know. Right, have used, and I have used three separate copies, and I have not been happy with any of them. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that, that there's people out there who's had great copies that have, have done well. Or just been satisfied. Uh, or just been satisfied another. one way or the other. But with the, with both of the, the Sony zooms, particularly on the higher resolution cameras, I just have, they've not been good. And then like Brandon, who's on our podcast too, like mm-hmm. he really was upset with his mm-hmm. <laughs> 7200 2.8. So yeah, he preferred uh, the Sigma. He prefers the Tamron. Uh, 70 um, to 180. 70 to 180. So yeah, uh, I really, yeah, they need to get these lenses updated. And if they do, then, then Sony's Holy Trinity will be the, Legit, if they make those two, because the 16 to 35 is well-respected across well, the Well, and they have a 12 to 24, mm-hmm. 2.8. So in some ways, the Trinity, to me, is the 12 to 24, 24 70, 7200. And that's a great, <laughs> that's a great Trinity. Going clear out to 12 yeah, and having that entire 2.8 range. I mean, and especially if they cut down the weight a little bit on the 7200, mm-hmm. maybe a little bit on the 2470. The 24 um, to 70 could be smaller. Yeah. I feel like... Every time I see that lens in person, I'm like, whoa. It's, it's huge. huge. It really is. It is a chunk. Um, so anyway, well, let's go ahead and just uh, wrap up here with Canon and their R3 spec dump. So what we know, what we knew before is that it was going to shoot 30 frames a second. It was going to have a stacked sensor mm-hmm. and... Uh, had some type of retina detection autofocus. Mm-hmm. And we also knew that it was not 
the quote unquote flagship. Mm-hmm. So that's what we had before. So what we now know is that it will have a very angle touchscreen. We've actually seen a picture of the back and it looks basically like the 1DX3, except that it has a very angle touchscreen. So that's great. Great news. Um, it has the multi-controller with the smart controller. So like you can, you can use it. Uh, you have the, the little sensor on the focus autofocus button that moves the focus point around. Okay. So, I mean, that's nice. It's kind of funny that they finally have figured out some of this stuff with the joysticks and autofocus, moving your focus point around when the autofocus systems have largely aren't dependent on them anymore. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like, um, like, you know, when you have eye autofocus and, and eye that transfers to face, that transfers to head, that transfers to body, like <laughs> yeah. you just, there's not a lot of scenarios where you need to be able to whip that thing around. Now this one has retina control and then a joystick and the little, uh, sensor on the focus button. It's got so many ways to move a focus mm-hmm. point around and the touchscreen, of course, and the touchscreen and you probably won't even need it. But anyway, to kind of move on. Uh, there's a new accessory shoe. We don't know what that means, but it probably means uh, digital microphones. It would be yeah, one thing. Yeah, or at the very least, hot shoe microphones, which we're right. using one right now. Yay. Testing out the uh, the uh, the new Sony, the one they released with the R4. Can't even yeah, think of the I name. I can't even think of the name, but it, it you don't have to use the, the little thing on the side. Thing on the side. Um, five gigahertz Wi-Fi. We kind of figured that that's... The the thing um, same weather sealing as the one D series. It's a big. That's deal. great. That's a big deal. So, um, but when we get to the video specs, things get interesting. Four K Canon Long Three. Yeah, oversample four K. That's great. Internal raw video. Same as the R five. As the technically. T- well, the R five has internal raw eight K. It does. And this does not say the resolution, which we'll get we'll get back to. We're, you know, that, that's the big conversation. Right. Um, it will, a uh, inclusion of cars, motorbikes, and AF tracking technology. That's really probably nice for a lot of uh, sports shooters who do races and stuff. Um, speed light shooting with the electronic shutter. Um, same weather sealing, uh, the same battery as the 1DX3. Compatible with SD and CF Express cards. Unknown if they're separate slots or dual purpose. I'm betting they're separate slots, like the R5. Yeah, it's on, Sony's the only one that's done the dual slot thing. Yeah, so what we don't know is the megapixels. And that is what's going to make this... So the way I see it is that if you're a still shooter, you're rooting for 50 megapixels, right? Like the um, A1. Indeed. Um, if you're a video shooter, you, you look at these stats and you're hoping for 20 megapixels... At the, at the most, maybe even um, 15, 16. Um, yeah, I honestly, bet, this could be the first camera to really even touch the S3. Yep. That's come out. Um, but yeah, you want it to be 50 megapixels if you're... If you're a still shooter, you're, you're still like, shooter. oh, please be 50. And if you're a video shooter, you're like, please be 20. So... Um, it's 20. It's 20. I, I it's feel very strongly that... The R3 is is uh, Canon's um, A9, and it's meant for sports shooting and video shooting, and doing. I mean, you don't actually need more than twenty megapixels for very much. 
Right. But um, it's better be cheaper than the A1 and the Z9. It's just, that's just, it better be. Yep. I, I've heard um, 6,000, so 500 cheaper. I I've feel heard, like it needs to be lower. I've heard as low as 5,000. You've heard as low as five. Okay. I feel like I read an argument, an, an argument, an, an, an article on, uh, I think it was Canon Rumors as opposed to Canon Watch. Uh, that was talking. Or was about it Canon 5, Watch as opposed to rumors? Because I don't know. Yeah, one or the other. I mean, five thousand seems right if it's twenty megapixels. Um, you know, you do have the gripped body, and you have more controls that way. You have the bigger battery, which will come mm-hmm. in super handy. Um, so it kind of makes sense that it would be a little more expensive than the A92, but I don't think you can charge. But here's the thing: is I think it's going to be sixty five hundred. I'm, think I, I think I think it's going to be sixty five hundred. So where does that put the one D series? The in? the R one I think it's going to be eight, eight to nine. Um, I feel like we're kind of getting to the point, and then the R one, like it's going to have, it could have like that, like it could be a hundred megapixels. Like who knows all what? There's a lot rumored out there. Global shutter, all of this. I think Canon is going to stay say that like. This is the replacement to the 1DX3. It's going to do the same thing as the 1DX3. It's going to cost the same as the 1DX3. And then our next flagship is a whole step up from even that. Mm-hmm. I That's my gut. I, I kind of am I'm, I'm hoping and rooting that it's it's not because, like, you know, you every, every um, uh, kind of notch, like, what, 500 increment up, you just, there's less people who can get it and use it. Oh, absolutely. Like it's, if it's like, I wouldn't really do this because the stills part doesn't matter enough to me, really. I'd right. rather get a second camera, but if, if I could, I would get this camera for the internal raw recording and the four, probably like 5.5 K raw. That's like, that's, I, I would much rather have 5.5 K raw on a 20 megapixel sensor than, um, 8k raw realistically because mm-hmm. i have to actually mm-hmm. use it i have to put it in a project and grade it and and export it and and you know post it um right and all of that kind of stuff so i i really i feel like what this camera is going to really do is it's going to make the z9 look better if it if it really is 20 megapixels and is the same price um yes it will it's going to make the a1 look better um, the Z9 really, <clears throat> excuse me, <laughs> the the Z9 could actually wind up kind of coming out looking looking pretty good because it's going to have some of that pro body features of the A1 um, of the um, R3, the Canon R3, mm-hmm. with the megapixel. Um, we know that it has at least the same megapixels as the A1 because we know it shoots 8K. That's one of the few things Nikon did tell us for sure is it shoots 8K. So we're like, it's around 50 megapixels. Um, it could be even be 60. It could even go up more. Um, so the 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 Z9, you know, the, the, it's it's it could wind up looking uh, really attractive to pros because it's it's not. Um, yeah, I I don't know. I think I think that the the um, the R3 is going to attract. Um, current 1DX users mm-hmm. and and video uh, very pro videographers 
Mm -hmm. Of course, the problem with anything in the $6,000 range is it's competing with a cinema. It's competing with the FX6. It's competing with the C70. It's competing with so many cameras. And like maybe for what we shoot, a lot of the time, this camera would make more sense. But for 90% of videographers with that kind of budget. Yeah, like, well, the there's a lot of pro workflows that use um, uh, 1DXs for pro video. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no, a there lot are. of pro videographers out there who that's their that's their go-to video camera. And part of it is the form factor, like those gripped bodies, there's something about them. That is just like, this is a camera. Mm -hmm. Um, I have never actually owned one. Um, I look forward to someday soon. One day. (laughs) One day, the features in a gripped body will match what I actually need, which um, the uh, the Z9 is looking like that's possible. Mm -hmm. I think I I will probably very seriously consider the Z9 because, um, I mean, it's, it's just got a lot going for it, hopefully. Hopefully. And then if they have kind of ironed out some of the autofocus... Um, issues, but mm-hmm. so I, I don't know about this this R three. Um, I think it's it's exciting, but it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting what it does. Um, I think Canon is it's a it's a risk a little bit because I think that that the A one's gonna look like a deal, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which is interesting because the A one made the R five look like a deal. Mm-hmm. But this is going to wind up, I think, kind of making the A1 look like, oh wow, I get double more than double the megapixels for the same price. It shoots 30 frames a second. It does basically all the same things, and people love the A1 as a video camera. Um, what happens like, if this is 30, 30 megapixels as opposed to 20? I don't think that changes that much. 50 megapixels is still. I think that it is it is still, but if you factor in, this is a better video camera, like it is, um, than mm-hmm. what the A1 is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, with then one like little asterisk in that that the the A1 does shoot 8K. And right. If if you hear 8K and you know like oh I have a plan of what I want to do with that 8K and I know I need it but you probably don't need it. Um, yeah. Raw is no. going to get you a lot farther. Um, a really great 4K camera is going to get you farther, um, in my opinion. And, you know, according to Gerald Undone's very in-depth kind of r- recent video on the A1, you know, the the oversampled 4K is great. It's amazing. It's, 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 it's really good, but it's not as good as it could be just in general, even when you're down sampling, there's drama with that much resolution. Um, yeah, I mean, so, that is true. Um, I guess there's just a part of me that's like, if you hit that 30 megapixels and you kind of, you can create this balance where it's a little cheaper. Sure. It's losing some megapixels, but it's adding in these stills features and it's gripped and it's Canon, you know, like that could be enough to push a lot of people over the edge to at least not leave Canon at the very least not leave. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I don't think that's necessarily bringing people from Sony over. Um, but I just, I think that 20 is a little low. It worries me for Canon to do just 20 because it does. It concerns me too. Because in a video only body. That's fine. But yeah. Right. When you're looking to have this really like, you know, I'm a pro wildlife shooter 
it literally takes it out of the game for me because the resolution really is nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, like people were using R3s, can't I mean Sony R3s, A7 R3s, um, over the A9 just because they like and and the and the A7 R4 too over the mm-hmm. A9 series and the D850 has been used right a lot. and the D850 has been used a lot for wildlife because you can crop in because believe it or not wildlife is one of the things that gets printed big right mm-hmm. well it's not believe it or not you totally understand like yeah. awesome pictures of wildlife is something that you want to hang on your wall. And, uh, you know, you don't hang very often huge pictures of, of sports stuff. Typically, that's an advertising where there's a huge viewing distance. We could, you can get into that all day. But you're not going to do fine art prints of sports very often. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, it's aerial shots of stadiums. Have you noticed that? There's, that if people are going to have thing. a sports piece of art, it's going to be an aerial shot of the stadium. <laughs> or like from the top of the hotel. All right, or, or side. Exactly. So, um or one of those fisheye shots from right up in the stands too. Oh yeah. Yeah. So anyway, not to get too sidetracked, but I think that that Canon is, is like, why would, why would a wildlife shooter converting into a system, you know, unless they're kind of moving up from Canon, but honestly just use an R5, mm-hmm. right? Because you got, you got 45 megapixels, 20 frames a second. Every, I mean, it's a beast wildlife camera. Mm-hmm. So, it's concerning that the 20 megapixels is genuinely concerning for me for Canon. Um, you know, really, I think they're going to lose pros over it would mm-hmm. be my, uh, would be my guess because particularly with Sony right now with the a one, they're kind of on top. And then you got the Z nine waiting in the wings. If you're a Nikon pro shooter, like, you know, you're, you're definitely waiting until you at least know what that's like and what mm-hmm. the autofocus is like. And, you know, I don't think we've done actually a podcast since the new firmware update for the, the Nikon Z cameras, but mm-hmm. their autofocus is getting, and the tracking is getting better and better. It's more complicated to use. It continues to be more complicated, but the actual hit rate, once you dial it in, is is getting close to what, is, what I was experiencing with the, with the Canon R5, and, and any Sony camera that I've really used in depth. Mm. So it's not far behind. So that tells me that the Z9 is going to be right there mm. um, with with the A1, with the, the R3, with the R5, any of those. Indeed. I mean, the autofocus issue really is the, the game that Fuji, Nikon, and Panasonic are playing. And I think that they're all trying to get, like, the best autofocus and i just think that nikon's shown that they've actually moved the they moved the the bar up they've moved the needle up. yeah they continue um, and you know i feel like again the the launch of the z cameras was a disaster for nikon they got a reputation right off the bat that the autofocus wasn't great that the single card slot that just like they weren't very good mm-hmm. and they haven't done the the camera to fully make up quote unquote, with the industry, like Canon did with the R5. Mm-hmm. Like Canon was like, okay, well, here's this like, like really amazing camera with all these stats and everything. Mm-hmm. That totally goes against what everyone said about us. Right, that totally, exactly. In, even though it didn't work that well, you know, right. we're the wild card. Right, so Canon kind of had that makeup camera with the industry and, and Nikon hasn't done that yet. Like the Z6 and Z7 II, they're really great cameras 
for, for if you kind of use them the right way. But they're not they're not they haven't fully made up for all of the the reputation that the Z mount got off right off the bat. Mm-hmm. So um, and I'm I am hopeful that this Z nine will do that. Um, but you know we can only wait. And then there's you know a Z eight possibility um, waiting in the wings. So I guess we'll see. But uh, indeed, is there anything else we wanted to cover? Um, industry wise, I don't know. Just saying that WWDC focuses. It's a really cool idea. Yeah, that the the focus. Oh man, that's oh. gonna change the. If there ever was a feature in an in an operating system, that's got me really considering going uh, into the the uh, public beta. Mm-hmm. I probably will go public beta for it. I'm just really intrigued to get mm-hmm. going on it, and uh, I know that's not advisable to do it on your main device, but. Yeah. I don't know. There's just, it's, it's, this is kind of shifting off topic, but I do think that we live in a world that's makes it very difficult to focus. It's a big problem. Your phone makes it really difficult to focus. So Mm -hmm. this idea Mm -hmm. of being able to tell your phone what notifications it can send you when what's on the home screen, right? Home screen. So what you're seeing and you can kind of build it into the situation where your phone, you can have a work phone in your phone, and then you can have a home phone, and then you can have a phone that's set up for hiking. And, and like there's fun stuff like being able to have it set up with widgets and stuff for certain things that you may oh, be doing. Oh, yeah. It's like going to be amazing. There's fun stuff, but there's also just like practical stuff with like like being able to, like I was saying before, like being able to schedule notification times for things. Like I'm going to be able to actually get notifications I've had to have turned off because of that. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm going to be able to set it up and say, you send me notifications about this thing at this time. That's fine. It's fine for me to get a notification about all the emails when I get into work. Actually, that would help me relieve stress, you know, to be able to know that I'm seeing everything all the time um, and stuff isn't slipping past me. Uh, more than like a day, but I don't want to deal with that all the time, you know? Right. Um, I don't want to deal with going like at dinner, getting email notifications and then thinking about work. So, you know, I, I really think that that's, you know, we don't talk about this stuff as much because we're, we're camera geeks. We're not really tech geeks that much. Um, We're tech geeks. Um, I think if you actually day to day were with us, like we, we talk about the latest Apple stuff and, all that as much as we do almost anything. Well, I mean, it's the stuff we use every day. Like, it that's is, part I mean, of that, that is true. It is true. I mean, I use my camera about every 1.5 days maybe. Right. Um, but I use my laptop for six hours a day probably. I don't oh, know. Yeah. It's a lot. So, but yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. The The more that my, that I feel like the, my phone is serving me as opposed to me serving my phone is going to be a uh, a good thing mm-hmm. like i just i get tired of just opening up my phone and then finding myself in an app and i'm like how did i get here and i've actually been doing some things lately um to to really change that like my home screen like i do not have any um app that i would consider compulsory anywhere near my home screen so and that includes email apps mm-hmm. like i because i will compulsively check email all the live long day, even though that's a quote unquote productive. And that's part of it. It's a quote unquote productive thing to do mm-hmm. is to check your email, except that it's not most of the time. It's like, Oh wow. You know, PayPal did this or like, Oh wow. You know, um, 
Yeah, it's like stuff you don't you like you just look at them and your brain just follows it under random. Right, exactly. Or well, and then I actually heard that 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 concept that um it's kind of like emails like a slot machine mm-hmm. because you never know when there's going to be something good or something interesting in an email. Mm-hmm. So like your your dopamine goes off even when you hit it because every once in a while it's like, "Oh, wow." You know, uh backcountry the the backcountry 20% coupon came in mm-hmm. you know and then that dopamine hit from like oh which i have had to i'm also purging unsubscribing from everything possible um because it just all of that's bad but so my home screen is basically just things that i need to access quickly mm-hmm. and then like any social media i have to search for spotlight search for mm-hmm. so I'm constantly making the decision to open up Instagram. I'm constantly making the decision to open up TikTok. Mm. I make that decision. I consciously make that decision all the time, but at least I'm not just seeing it and clicking on it. I don't mm-hmm. just open it up and I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to look for an app to click on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, so anyway, that's that. So I'm excited to like completely be able to push stuff away, away. Like when I'm at work, like it will be my calendar and adding tasks, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that's it, you know, on my phone. And then you know, when I get home, like maybe I maybe that is as is, is a time it's okay to mm-hmm. to do TikTok or whatever. Yeah, but I'm excited. I'm also excited for shortcuts on the Mac. Oh, that's going to be yeah. huge. That's going to be so nice. And I'm I'm really hoping that there's like Final Cut. You can do a ton of stuff in Final Cut. Or like maybe even third party apps too, like Photoshop and stuff. I know Photoshop kind of already has like an actions thing that's built into it. Yes, yes. But like being able to um, like use shortcuts in conjunction with focuses because that's focuses is something you can do on your Mac too, which is something I'm almost just as excited about as it is for the phone. Right. I'm not going to um, install. Um, no, it's never happened. The beta in <laughs> on the Mac. You don't. You don't install <laughs> no, 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 the no, no, new no. release on the Mac until it's like in you know had a couple patches maybe because it's yeah, just a little sometimes scary. it's a little scary sometimes. But, I I yeah. tend to be an early adopter as we've talked about. Mm-hmm. I tend to get excited, but yeah, yeah. In the end, it was one of those WWDCs where like I think. There wasn't a lot of like fun stuff, but there was a ton of just like very useful. I'm going to use that. I'm going like, to use I'm that. Yeah. Use that. That's that's just a useful thing. Well, and they also added value to things, which I feel like is not a super Apple thing to do until somewhat recently. Like for instance, there's a bunch of new features for AirPods Pro, and it's the same. They didn't release a new set of AirPods with all these features. Like they just added it on mm-hmm. to the new AirPods Pro. And then another example of that is in iCloud Plus. Mm-hmm. They're adding basically a VPN into iCloud Plus. Mm-hmm. They're adding like a, an email screening service where you basically can, you don't have to give out your actual email, which, oh my gosh, that'll be amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and you like, you won't see the, the junks and they'll forward and whatever. That's mm-hmm. great. It's great privacy stuff. And it's all included. If you already are paying for any iCloud, you get it. Like same price. Yeah, and wow. um, and you still have the same amount of iCloud storage. So, add the added value factor is um, is kind of uh, I feel like somewhat new for Apple. I don't feel so nickel and dimed because mm-hmm. I feel like they're they the last two years it's always been this new services that's nine ninety nine a month. Mm-hmm. You know, news plus fitness plus 
whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, okay, well, they announced another new service that's ninety nine a month, nine ninety nine a month, and they and then also they just recently announced the um, the higher bit rate on music for the same price. Mm. So interesting. it's an interesting, an interesting strategy from Apple. I don't, I don't, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I, I, I know what their game is, is, you know, building loyalty and, well, and just and, making money. Like right. I mean, I'm more likely to keep my iCloud plus account, you know, and they're saving me money too, a little bit. Cause I, I don't feel as, I don't really use a VPN at this point, but, um, yeah, I have one. I think, um, I'm subscribed to, I don't, you know what? I don't know. NordVPN. I, you know what? I will. By, yeah, no, yeah. It's not I, sponsored uh, by anything. Um, actually, I will use the VPN that that sponsors us. There you go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that will be my VPN. Yeah, we will. We will use iCloud Plus and your VPN just so everyone else feels like we. Kemper made a comment during the thing that like a whole bunch of YouTube channels just lost a bunch of sponsors. <laughs> no because, joke. Because like they're gonna their ad budgets are gonna go down because. Like I, you have to imagine there's some kind of hit to their their business models. It wasn't clear whether or not you can switch your location, though. Oh yeah, I think there's going to be some features, and, but yeah. it's still having it built into the operating system, which is why Apple continues to get um, uh, accused of you know monopoly and all that stuff because they they tend to try to shift things their direction. Yeah. And they, they, they're a little overt about it. So yeah, it's there's the, somebody who gets paid a ridiculous amount of money and they're just like, what's the next in- industry we're going to take over? Right. Yeah, I know. I know. And they just think about it all the time. The thing is, is that there there's, there's battles they've won and there's battles they've lost. Like I do not think like Apple music has not taken over from Spotify. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, there's things I've used both, but I mean, I think we'll see. I think we'll see. I think that I like Spotify better. I've always used Spotify. But I think we'll see as the years continue to go by, because just it's Apple Music, you know, like it, it's the brand is just there. It's like built in and Spotify mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is going to have to upkeep their own brand and keep people from like shifting over to just, you know, it's another Apple product or whatever. Right, um, right. Well, just, and yeah. I don't know. And Spotify, it it does have kind of an Android feel when you're in the app. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like their app could could stand some cleaning up. It's mm-hmm. it's kind of a, a it's kind of a messy app. Maybe it feels like to me. I mean, kind of a glitchy app too. Like, yeah, I feel it, like can it, be, it can be. It can be glitchy. Yeah. So. But I just am so like my playlists in there, my collections. Like, there's just so much invested in Spotify for me. <laughs> yeah. That is just kind of. I'll tell you something that could kind of shift me around is I actually don't even know exactly how the integration between podcasts and Apple music works, but if that was really married where my audio content could kind of live in one place, because like right now I've got Spotify, I've got Apple podcasts and overcast, which was just an accident on my part. I accidentally am using two podcast apps and need to clean that up. Um, and then I'm also using Audible a bunch too. So it's like I have three audio apps and functionally they could all just be one, you know? Yeah, but then um, you've, you've got Spotify, you've got Amazon, which is Audible, and then you've got uh, Apple, and then you've got Overcast. So like I, I use the, the Apple podcast app just for simplicity's sake. I've tried other ones and I've never... 
Well, and I like some of the adjustments that they announced about the um, podcast app that's right. that's coming. They're updating the podcast app. Yeah. Um, it's still, it's kind of glitchy since they updated it uh, in 14.5. Um, so, mm. but anyway, I don't know. We don't. Anyway. Well, uh, tell us what podcast app you use. Leave it Indeed. in the comments. We'd actually, I'd actually be curious, like, like is our like how many people use it? like I, if you're if you're leaving a comment you're watching this on YouTube, which is what I really do most of the time is I listen to YouTube videos with the screen off, yeah because I have YouTube Plus this or YouTube Premium or whatever it is. YouTube, what is it? It's not red anymore. No, it's YouTube Premium, I think. YouTube Premium, which is yeah we we can get into that for all of long day, but yeah. all right. Well, if you enjoyed this. Um, podcast uh, we would love it if you would hit the like button or if you are listening to it on a podcast app if you would rate us in itunes that would be really helpful yeah go to that podcast app yeah <laughs> if you're using apple Podcasts, it's really easy yeah indeed <laughs> um yeah but definitely and if you're listening listening to us on a podcast app because we have a lot more uh podcast subscribers than we do people who listen to it on youtube yeah uh, for check sure. out our youtube channel it's pretty cool yeah. we've got camera reviews we've got adventure vlogs we've got you can look at our wonderful faces while you listen to us talk about camera news and go on and on about hunger down behind this windscreen most of the time oh you betcha all right well we will see you on the next adventure next adventure Bye. bye